Hi, and welcome to the Emotional Health Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lydia, and this podcast is an extension of our Facebook group by the same name. We cover the everyday personal and relationship challenges that lead us down a path of soul searching. Mentor Leslie and I are solution focused, so you can avoid getting stuck in that self-analysis phase. Move forward and feel good about where you're at. You can feel better. Welcome to the Emotional Health Matters Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Emotional Health Matters Podcast. It's Dr. Lydia back with you again, and I'm here with mentor Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hello. Good afternoon. Okay, we've got a doozy of a topic for you today, imposter syndrome. So this is that little voice in your head that says, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not good enough to be doing this. It's that little voice of self-doubt that makes you second guess and question yourself when you know what? you do know what you're doing and you are good enough. And for a lot of women, this holds us back and it creates quite a bit of discomfort, misery. You know, it can be a real confidence smasher. And so today we're going to cover the topic and get you feeling better. That's always our goal. Right, Leslie? Absolutely. I I think most women experience uh, the imposter syndrome in their lifetime for sure. Um, I see it primarily in the workplace. That's where I really had to battle it and suffered from it. Um, I think women's ability to wear masks and pretend everything's okay when it isn't mm-hmm. um, really kind of contributes to this. We're kind of natural imposters. We can put on a big happy smile and pretend we're doing great when we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, The whole concept of imposter syndrome was identified in 1978. Um, This was a time when high achieving women were really entering the workplace um, in high numbers. And the numbers that I've seen say that 85% of professional women uh, suffer from the imposter syndrome, brings out feelings like inadequacy, self-doubt, low confidence, and anxiety is really linked to it. You sort of ask yourself the question, how did I get here? Am I good enough for this job I'm in? Mm -hmm. And these women that succumb to it, they tend to overcompensate in many different ways, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. And it's especially evident with entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs tend to take on more things, maybe things that they're not trained in. Um, You may have to do a little marketing, a little tech work, you know, really have to spread your skills and you may feel incompetent in doing some of the things you have to do. My experience with the imposter syndrome all started for me in the early 80s. That's when I entered the workforce after my schooling. I was around 25 years old and I was tested on many, many fronts. I entered a corporate environment that was completely male. I was the only um, senior woman in the organization. My boss was a complete entrepreneur who pushed me in every direction possible um, and really didn't care if I made mistakes, if I screwed up. He just wanted me to deal with things. Don't bring them to me. Just go for it. And then I had a network of sort of middle management woman that I was responsible for. I was the vice president of marketing and I had a tier of women working for me and they all basically worked against me and tried to show me up, particularly Mm -hmm. in meetings. So I was hit on a number of fronts in terms of how I felt about myself, my knowledge, my competency, 
Um, and it was, it was really, really difficult. And I tell you, I got a, a very, very quick education um, on how to lift myself up mm-hmm. because I had all these forces coming at me and, and how, to, how to combat it. How about you, Lydia? Did you, you know, you're a doctor, naturopathic doctor. Have you felt this imposter syndrome? Definitely. Yeah. Because similar to you, I graduated when I was fairly young. So I started my practice when I was 26. And so when you're counseling people that are, you know, 20 years older than you, very intelligent, you know, professional people, you do question like these people are coming to me for advice. Like, is this really happening? But, you know, I was trained and it did work out. But yeah, I think imposter syndrome is very natural for anybody that's pushing forward and striving for something. Because when you step outside your comfort zone, you have to redefine who you are. And, you know, in hearing your story, it's really amazing to me that you didn't end up burnt out because it seems like that would be quite a bit of emotional labor to manage. Did you feel burnt out with that pressure? Oh, no question. And it was also a time of incredible work ethics where we did work the 80 hour weeks. I mean, that was sort of what was done. Yeah. So it was a tremendous amount of pressure and a tremendous amount of of Mm self-reflection. But I always kind of looked at it um, as all these pressures coming from men, coming from my boss, coming from my female peers as a way to improve myself. And I really, I had to learn not to take it personal. And I never did. And I just used it to kind of buoy myself um, to do whatever I had to do, whether it was, you know, get more knowledge or work longer hours or whatever I needed to do to get through that feeling, I would. And I always tried to turn it into a positive. I didn't let it eat me alive. And, you know, it certainly could. Yeah. And I think for some people, it, it really does. Like I, th- I can see imposter syndrome, you know, some of those women that were beneath you that were quite toxic in their behavior were probably suffering from imposter syndrome as well. Uh, just not feeling adequate, not feeling like they're good enough, because if they did, they wouldn't have been trying to tear you down. They would have been trying to be helpful. Right. So I think imposter syndrome can also feel quite lonely. It feels like we're the only one that's experiencing this, but really anytime you're dealing with somebody who comes across as kind of insecure or hard to deal with, you know, it's worth considering if that might be something going on beneath the surface. Do you think those women were struggling with a similar thing? Oh, no question. And I think I realized that. And I didn't have the attitude of showing them up. My attitude was always to mentor. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have any issue admitting that I didn't know something. And that was just something that was inherent inherent in me. Mm-hmm. And I think it was helped because of my boss. He did not care if I made mistakes or I didn't know something. He wanted me to experience it, try it and learn. So I think that really helped me. Um, but I'm not going to lie. There were, of course, times um, where I was probably more frustrated than anything mm-hmm. that they were trying to show me up as an imposter. Um, where I really could have used some support, particularly in meetings. I led a lot of meetings. And, you know, there's times when you want to have people rallying with you, not battling you through your entire presentation. Yeah, definitely. That sounds completely exhausting. And like, you know, there's so much kind of diligence that goes into like coming up with all your points. You just feel like you have to be so perfect when there's that, uh, that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, you know, I've, I've worked with so many different women as I, as I went through the years, I eventually worked with more women. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mainly in leadership roles, um, but I saw, 
a lot of different ways that this imposter syndrome manifests itself. And I, I kind of look at it as there's, there's five ways that it can come out. And it's really interesting to look at them. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of our listeners will identify with them, but to also look at how you can counteract what's going on and what you're feeling. Yeah. And one of the big ones we all know is the perfectionist. And when you do have self-doubt and you're questioning if you're competent enough, I think for a lot of women, it really pushes them to be a perfectionist, to do everything right, to not make mistakes, countered to me completely. But I worked with a lot of women that were like that. And, and it was difficult. It's hard working with people that ultimately don't want to make any mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I do. I can see that my patients that are perfectionists get exhausted by it and nothing's ever quite good enough. So there's quite a bit of dissatisfaction and it can be really hard on relationships. I'm sure workplace relationships can be equally as strained. So you, this is where self-awareness, we're so big on self-awareness. And, you know, if you are that perfectionist type, I really encourage perfectionists to think about, okay, what if this isn't perfect? What's the worst case scenario that's going to happen? And if it's something that you can live with, you know, let's try to pick our battles. You know, there is a time when you need to be, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's meticulously. And then there are other times when we can relax into things because it's more important to curate healthy relationships and have people feel like they're effective and to have yourself feel like you're effective without having to, you know, bend over backwards. Oh, absolutely hear you on that one. Um, another one that I saw quite a bit because I was in the marketing area and dealing with media and dealing with advertising, um, people that were struggling um, sometimes had a real quest to be an expert in certain areas. And in my world, media buying was quite complicated. I was dealing with TV, radio, billboards, print, magazines, buying media, and there's a lot to it. And there were times when I felt I didn't have the knowledge, but instead of sort of letting it eat me alive and affect how I felt about myself, I would reach out to my team where I knew the knowledge was. But I have worked with a lot of women um, that just strive for knowledge to make themselves feel better, to sort of build their competency and their experience and, and their voice, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think women can overcompensate in this uh, area for sure, uh, myself included, like I'm guilty of this. I, I think we have to recognize when our research is done, you know, when we don't need to be, because, you know, we're in, a er we're in a time of a plethora of information. You can go down so many rabbit holes and we need to know when to call it because we can reach out to other people for help. We don't have to know everything. And at times it actually paralyzes us. You know, we're researching and learning about things when we really need to be taking uh, action. And I'm gonna just call it out, but for people that have that know-it-all personality and you kind of have to know yourself on this one where you are constantly trying to prove your point and it's, it's more important for you to be right than it is to be connected to people, those people tend to have that imposter syndrome plus that expert mentality enmeshed. Yeah, I, I've seen it. Yeah. Another really tough one and I contend, I, tend to be like this, not so much at work. I think I'm a decent team player at work. I tend to be this way at home, but it's the soloist. Yeah. Who sees getting help um, as a weakness. And if you're sort of struggling with your self-doubt or your self-confidence, um, you know, you don't want to appear weak. So you don't want to ask for help. And, and these women I've seen, they, you know, they can often work alone. They can be super, super productive. 
um, but but you can't get near them. And that's an that's an interesting member on a on a work team. Yeah, that would be a difficult person to manage. Often this person has a there's an aspect of betrayal that they've experienced. They've kind of learned that they can't trust people and they can't let people in. So if this is you, where you feel like you got to take on the world, it's worth uh, exploring that betrayal wound and um, trying to heal from that place. And you'll feel like being collaborative is safer for you. Yeah. yeah. A, a similar one um, to the soloist is what we call a superhero. And we've all seen these people that just work like crazy. And in my day, I, I had one, he actually was a male. And he used to be in at the office like at 5.30 in the morning and he'd be there till midnight. And he just worked his ass off. And he, he had that messaging as a child. He had a workaholic father because I always challenged him, what are you doing? You don't need to work this hard. You need your time away. But to sort of fight their self-doubt, um, they, they do it through hard work and showing their commitment and showing how much they can handle and how hard they can work. And, you know, obviously it leads to burnout. Yeah, that must have been tough kind of managing that person who's just working too much. I, uh, yeah, we need to question, you know, what are we trying to prove and what are we trying to achieve here? Because there is a time for hard work, certainly, but, you know, who are you trying to prove yourself too. You know, this is where we have to do that deep dive into the ego mind. Yeah. And the last one is, you know, it's, it, it's sort of weird, but you can get this imposter syndrome from success. Yeah. You know, if you're used to being successful and you've had success, sometimes it gets difficult to continually set yeah. goals for yourself that you think you can reach, right? So you end up being kind of this natural genius with these huge lofty goals. Yeah. And, you know, you really just set yourself up for failure. Yeah. And it hurts when you're used to being like, I, I kind of have this nature too, because I was always very successful at school and good marks. And I think a lot of this natural genius, you know, you've been rewarded heavily as a child for being something special. And then you get out there in the world and you're like, okay, like there's a lot of smart people. I don't know everything. I need to disidentify from this uh, identity because I'm going to be hurt here. And, you know, some of these people, we set up goals that we just, you know, we're not into the baby steps, you know, where we take things to the thousandth degree and, it, and it's hard to achieve because you don't have a clear path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all good time. And this, um, you know, imposter syndrome, it, it comes from a lot of places and success yeah. is one of, one of them that I think we often don't realize, but it does come from success and creating these lofty expectations for, for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But self-doubt and, and the imposter syndrome comes from places like, you know, past mistakes where we failed before. And one of my gifts is, and I, again, give credit to the great man who mentored me in business, he always accepted mistakes. So I got through that at a very young age, mm -hmm. but a lot of people get held back um, because that fear of making mistakes again that they may have made. Um, childhood messaging is really important too. And we spend a lot of time in L60 talking about childhood messaging, how, what our parents tell us, how we were raised. For me, 
you know, I've talked about my fabulous father who always really mentored me as a woman and mentored me towards being the best I could. I can do anything kind of a message. I was lucky to have that messaging. Mm -hmm. But many, many children are messaged around, you're not good enough, you're not doing that well enough, your marks aren't high enough, you're not the captain of the team. And, you know, you just, you're set up for it, right? Yes. Comparison is another really tricky area, Lydia, and particularly with um, social media now, but it's so easy to compare ourselves. Um, and new challenges. Um, you know, I love change and I, I love making change and taking on new challenges. But many, many people are fearful of making mistakes, of failure when there's new challenges, of not having the knowledge to see it through. So the imposter syndrome um, and not feeling good enough, having self-doubt, it, it can come from a lot of different places. Yeah, that self-analysis work we do in L60 is so important, as well as the support. You know, if you do screw up and you can always post in the group and we sort of just lift you up and let you know that life goes on and there's ways to, you know, heal things. I also want to say a special message to women of color, women living with disabilities or women that are in the LGBTQ community, because when you are coming from a group that isn't well represented and you don't have a clear, you know, role model, or you don't have a clear, you know, and society is also making you question yourself. There's an outside message there that are you really good enough to do this stuff? Um, it can compound imposter syndrome. So if you are a part of one of these uh, groups, uh, you know, and it's holding you back, it's consider consider getting some concentrated help here because it's so important that you're that you're heard and that you are participating to your maximal ability. Like this world really needs all of us uh, to be participating and at our best. Uh, so you know, consider joining us in L60 if this is troublesome for you because I really do. You know, I treat a lot of women of color, and you know, I've worked in the disability community, and you know, it's 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 important that everybody feels included. Yeah, included and, and accepted. And, yeah. you know, you want people around you that flourish, that, that help you feel good. And yeah. personally, I think it's one of the most important things to look for when you're looking for a job. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to make a job change, or you're just coming out of school, and you're looking at careers, I think the most important thing to look for um, is the culture. Mm -hmm. the culture of the organization you want to join. And there's some real signals that you, you need to look for to sort of combat this imposter syndrome brewing within you where you're self-doubting yourself, particularly if you're younger or you're in a male-dominated um, environment. I know the tech world went through a really, really tough time um, for women. It was really male-dominated as well. Um, so I think it's really good to ask questions and and really look to who your leader is going to be and how that leader is is that leader threatened by you is that leader encouraging you is that leader allowing you to make mistakes and be authentic in your work speak your voice um, I think many women when they go into new companies they they can remain quiet and not have their normal voice because they don't have the confidence they they are doubting themselves so you want to be somewhere where you're encouraged to speak and encourage to share your thoughts without judgment. So I, and, and teamwork is another one. Um, I think teamwork and diversity, all of those traits in a culture will really help you to battle um, any self-doubt in your work. 
Yeah, I think there's there was a lot of good points there. And it really, just as you were talking about that, I was like, it's really amazing that you made it through the work situation that you did, because that sounds like it could have been an absolute nightmare at times. And if you weren't raised to have a lot of confidence, I could see a lot of women being like, this is just too much. Um, you had that foundation, so that that's a good thing. But yeah, that uh, it is important when you're interviewing for a job to think about what you're really getting into and if you really want this job, because... Exactly. And that, you know, when I look back on that time, and it was a tough time, it's when, you know, women were just starting to rise and, and be respected and, and not being judged and, and kind of humored. I, I, I had to develop a real sense of humor, because I took a lot of digs and a lot of comments, a lot of sexual harassment as well. Mm. Um, so there, I mean, there was just so much at play. But when I look back on that time in my life, I recognize that it shaped me. And it created who I am and it gave me my strength and my courage and my ability to make change and my ability to make quick decisions and it did so much to help me and, and that's what adversity does right. There's a great quote I wanted to share with you it's from the actress Helen Mirren who I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And she said, it would be wrong to think that you're always right you're always correct you're always perfect and you're always brilliant mm -hmm. self doubt is the thing that drives you to improve yourself. And I think that was the bent I took in those young years when I was 25, when I was female, when I was really the only female. Um, I took the bent that any self-doubt I had, I was gonna work really, really hard to be better and to improve myself and to stay positive. I love that. It's a good yin and yang kind of situation. Like, you know, anytime that we're struggling with something, there can also be, we can transform it into a positive. You know, we can take self-doubt and use it for a little bit of humility. We're understanding that we don't need to uh, know it all. We can connect with other people on that level and say, you know, probably other people are suffering with this as well. You know, how can we lift each other up? And then like Leslie did, really use it for a catalyst uh, to push forward and feel like you have some achievement, you know, because if you never push past these boundaries, you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. And recognize your sisters, you know, yeah. when you're in and not just in the workplace everywhere. Um, you know, we need to be a powerful source of buoying each other up and encouraging each other and making each other feel better. And I think we've all been in situations where that's not happening with women in our lives. So, you know, it's it's our job. We need to mentor and support and help and not feel threatened by other women. Well, that's a great place to end the podcast on. Thanks so much for sharing your personal experience. You know, that's what mentorship does. Like you became successful partly because you had a great mentor, also because you're an amazing person. But uh, yeah, if you feel like you are out there on your own, if imposter syndrome is holding you back, you'd like to just feel more confident and, you know, stop second guessing yourself, please join us at least in our free group, Emotional Health Matters on Facebook. We'll be popping over there now to do our after show. And then of course we have our L60 uh, course and program for women that are doing the work on themselves, who are ready to feel better, but need a little bit more of a hands-on approach from our team. It's a great, great community. And yeah, we'd love to have you in it. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks, Dr. Lydia. Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast episode. We are delighted that you joined us. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, please join our free Facebook group or follow us on Instagram, the same name, Emotional Health Matters. We answer every message and comment. If you're exhausted by soul searching and overthinking a life issue, consider joining our private community, L60, 
where myself, a naturopathic doctor, a counselor, and a mentor are all at your disposal to help you when you need it. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember, your emotional health matters. Please don't forget to subscribe. And if you've enjoyed our take on today's topic, please give us a rating too, or share it with a friend. Sharing is caring. You never know who you might help. Thanks again.